Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. My name is Tyler McCall. I'm the editor-in-chief of Fashionista and a Gossip Girl super fan. And we're re-watching season two, episode nine, There Might Be Blood. Welcome back, listeners, to your one and only source and to all things Gossip Girl. You know you'll love it. XOXO. Hey there, and welcome back to XOXO with me, Jessica Zor. We've got another wild rewatch for you today. Season 2, Episode 9, There Might Be Blood. This one dives into Little Jay's guerrilla fashion show. So to break it down, I brought back the editor-in-chief of Fashionista, Tyler McCall. You probably heard Tyler host our mailbag episode, so you know she really knows her stuff. She's here to help me cover every crazy detail in this rewatch, like Blair chasing Muffy around Manhattan, Jenny and Agnes crashing a charity gala, and Rufus trying to get his own daughter arrested. What? <laughs> So I'm glad we have our Gossip Girl historian around for this one. Let's get into it. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you very much. What a wild and amazing like situation in life for for anyone that gets to experience that with the person they love so much. It's like I'm still on cloud nine. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so we have Tyler McCall back and we're going to do a rewatch this time. For those of you, which I think if you're listening to this podcast, you definitely know 
everything that she's done. But can you just give us a little backstory on you and how Fashionista came about? And you're a self-proclaimed Gossip Girl historian, which I love. I'm like going to you for questions about the show, which I find so like lovely and hilarious at the same time in the best way. But can you give us a little backstory of how that all came about? Like you being the editor-in-chief of Fashionista and yeah, all of that. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you the super short version because I've had a very roundabout life and career. I was a history major in college because I thought I wanted to be a high school teacher. And that clearly is not how that went. Uh, I graduated in 2008 when the recession hit. Mm -hmm. You're like a different high school teacher, though. Like you're like a new age high school teacher. (laughs) In a way, yeah. I like doing some educating. So I went and got my master's. I lived in Paris for a year. I got my master's in French cultural studies. And I wrote my thesis on French fashion and globalization because I was really interested in fashion. Amazing. As part of that, I got an internship with Women's Wear Daily, which is a fashion publication, and realized that I really loved it and wanted to pursue it. Uh, Took a slight detour for two years where I lived with an ex-boyfriend in Alabama while he was doing law school. Listen, every little <laughs> every little part of our story is a part of our path and, and our whole exactly. like, picture. So it worked out. It, <laughs> I think it worked out for the best in the end. But I knew that I wanted to work in fashion. So I sat down one day, cold emailed, I think like 50 or 60 people in the fashion industry that I wanted to work with. And one of the people that I emailed was my first boss at Fashionista, uh, this woman, Leah. And she recognized me from the comment section because this was back when people commented on the internet. Right. And she offered me the chance to intern. First, I was doing it remotely. um, And then I moved to New York. I sold everything that wasn't nailed down (laughs) in my apartment. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, I've been here. I've been here over just about 10 years now. Worked my way up from an intern. I did a brief stint at Condé Nast. I worked at Vogue Runway and Teen Vogue. And then came back to Fashionista. I just really love our audience. I think we have such a fun readership. And your Instagram is a full iconic gossip girl fashion. And and you started that. That was like on you. Yeah. uh, So the 10-year anniversary of the show happened in 2017. Right. I am aware of that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's one thing I do remember. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. It's just funny because I've learned really a lot from you about the show and just doing this podcast, but there's just so much I I like. Well, I have to imagine working on it. It's like you have totally different memories of it than watching it. Yeah. You know? And that's why this has been so fun for me because I'm like, oh my God, like even this episode, like there might be blood. I I had never seen it. And, you know, I'm like so pumped to break it down with you, but go ahead. Uh, so I had interviewed Eric for the 10 year anniversary. I think that might've been the first time I even got in touch with Eric. Cause obviously I was a huge fan of the show and of the fashion of the show and any excuse to talk about it, I'm into. Yeah. And after I did that, I did, I think I did a Twitter thread of my favorite Blair outfits. Cause I'm a Blair girl that did really well. People really liked it. And so I started posting on my Instagram for fun. Um, at first I think it got very few likes I would post. I called them Waldorf Wednesdays. Cute. <laughs> now that was, God, how long ago was that? Four or five years ago now that I've been doing that. It got to the point where it, I think people started following me for that content. Like like the Gossip Girl posts, I do get more likes than photos of me, which is fine. <laughs> I'm like, this is my personal Instagram. But uh, yeah, and I started doing Serena outfit breakdowns uh, during the pandemic. I didn't have anything going on. And people had been requesting it. People would leave comments on my right. Waldorf Wednesday saying, can you break down this Serena look? Or 
yeah, the pandemic gave me time to do it. So now I just do them pretty much every week. I mean, sometimes I I skip a week because I do have a job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's also just like what you studied and a passion that you have for fashion. And then let's just be honest, like Gossip Girl really killed it on every level yeah. with the fashion. Yeah. I mean, Eric did a really good job. All the all the characters, the way they rocked them and wore them and walked in them and, and lived in them and um, being in New York and, and so close to, you know, working with all these designers and stuff. I mean, what a great, how fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I totally get yeah. why you would do that. Like coming from your world and your, you know, your whole story. It makes sense yeah, for and sure. They're fun. they're fun to do. It's fun to research. They take a lot of time that, you know, I have to research what they were wearing. I have to do photo research. I'm, there was times they would tell me what I'm wearing. I'm like, I don't know how to say that. I'd have to like look it up, break <laughs> the word down. And this, I'm talking like, <laughs> so to really break down a whole outfit head to toe every week all the time. That's yeah. I'm just, Sure. Yeah, but they're fun. And you get you're teaching a lot of people. So we're happy about it. It's fun because I feel like the show has really found a new audience again during the pandemic at first when it was on Netflix. And now that it's on HBO with a streaming audience and a younger audience who didn't watch it the first time around. And so it's really fun to get to dive back into that fashion that I remember I was so obsessed with in college and young adulthood. And yeah, I get to break it down for a new audience. Absolutely. Well, speaking of breaking down, let's let's get into this episode. So we're at season two, episode nine, There Might Be Blood, and this is based on the P.T. Anderson, There Will Be Blood, 2007, starring Daniel Day-Lewis. And this is just another fun fact, which I feel like I did remember, but probably didn't like really think about it till now as we're getting into this. But this episode aired the night before Obama's first election. Whoa. Which I always feel like anytime there's an election, like the night before, everyone's like, waiting to hear what states are winning and all the things going on. So I find it like (laughs) pretty interesting that I was on a show that's being aired the night before a pretty big moment for our country. Anyways. Okay. So getting into this episode, um, I just wanted to ask you, this is from a fan who actually designed Jenny's line. Was it a real label or costume department? Yeah. So those were all Eric. Eric, Eric Damon right. did okay. any of Jenny's designs. This was a f- this was a question for you. So, oh, <laughs> so funny. I was like, we'll ask Tyler. And I I, I knew that Eric did that, but w- did it was all all the time. Anytime Jenny had a dress, anytime it was- Jenny had a fashion line. So the person who did Eleanor Waldorf designs was a real designer. It was Abigail Lorick, right? Who had a line that she served as the ghost designer. But anytime they were Jenny's, um, it was Eric. Damon, who did those. Amazing. Yeah. They're so good. So, so good. Um, Okay. So here's where we left off. Nate kissed Jenny. Chuck and Blair have decided that they needed to continue to play their game. (laughs) Serena is interested in Aaron, one of Rufus's artists. And Jenny has stormed out of Eleanor's with her dress after meeting new friends, Agnes and Max. And now here's where we're going. Here's the log line for uh, There Might Be Blood. Serena discovers a secret that Aaron has been keeping from her and begins to question whether he is the guy she thought he was. Hoping it will help her chances to get into Yale, Blair naively agrees to babysit the 15-year-old daughter of a Yale donor who turns out to be a little bit more of a handful. Jenny and Agnes plan a guerrilla fashion show. And let's just get into this. What is a guerrilla fashion show? Yeah. By the way, this is like the opening of a fashion frenzy happening in this episode. Can you just explain to us what that is? Because I don't really know if I even knew that. Yeah. So 
you know, typically with a fashion show, you'd have it all planned out. You'd have a venue picked out. You'd invite people. I mean, it's planned to the T. Like it's planned for months on end, fittings, everything, even if it's for the 12 minutes that it is. We, John and Bujak and I talked about that. Yeah. So there's so much that goes into it. But uh, in this case, Jenny and Agnes have decided that they need financers. So they're going to crash an Upper East Side benefit and hijack their sound equipment to throw this guerrilla fashion show. I mean, that's ballsy. Yeah. Okay? I, I, love. Yeah, it, I love it too. But I'm like, yo, what? Like you could go to jail. Yeah. Agnes is, I think, one of my favorite like cameo characters. Yeah. Because she's just so chaotic. Like the chaos that she brings is off the charts. It's next level. It's yeah. like so dramatic. There's something, but she just is like, whatever. Like, who cares? Yeah. Like, okay. And I'm like, but you're like doing crazy shit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but is this like a thing where people doing this? Honestly, so I've never been to like a gorilla fashion show. Like okay. That. I'm sure that they happen. I mean, maybe they do happen, right? I- right. But where does the like term come from? Like, did was it made up in this show? As far as I know, yeah. Because I've been to, like, DIY fashion shows. Like, I've been to, right. s- to things that are a little more um, the designer putting on something themselves in a small space that they borrow from friends. But I've never been to an event where somebody just, like, hijacks a different event. I mean, literally just takes it over? Yeah, it just takes <laughs> it over. <laughs> okay, so Dan's there and Jenny freaks out that he's going to go and say something. I mean, what do you do in this situation? If you're the older sibling and do you go and tell on her? I don't know. I think it's kind of considering what Dan gets up to. I think it's a little hypocritical of him sometimes (laughs) the way he treats Jenny is like trying to protect her from this world while he's also trying to be a part of it. I mean, it's really cool what she's doing. She's going for what she wants. She is. She's really going for it. And she's very good at it. She's like very talented. And I think if they had been more supportive of her at home, that could have been a different outcome, right? Like Jenny kind of goes off the rails, but a lot of that is because she feels so frustrated that the people she loves aren't supporting her. Right. Or not not holding her back, but not supporting to push her to do what what she's good at and what she wants. Yeah, I I can see that. Yeah. And especially when they're friends with Vanessa and Vanessa, like you're homeschooled technically, like you, you're able to kind of do your own thing, right? For sure. And they can see a successful model in that in someone that they're close with family-wise, but they won't let Jenny homeschool herself to launch her own line or whatever. Yeah. And then this next scene, like, <laughs> here is Blair trying to get into Yale. And I love the determination. These, the, What these kids have, the determination for, like, what Jenny's doing, Blair trying to get into Yale, Dan with the writing. I mean, they really, they go for it. And they're willing to, yeah. like, knock people down, steal shit, leave home, quit school, kiss boyfriends like they'll, I mean people are like I'm gonna do what I need to do to like get where I need to get they're ruthless they're I mean it's ruthless and, and so determined on a level that I'm like okay okay kids but here we are with Blair trying to get into Yale and I feel like whenever she's like talking about it and the passion she has for getting into that school I really feel for her and this is like you know a big moment when you're leaving high school and trying to figure out the rest of your life. I still think sometimes it's too young of an age yeah. for all of us to know and figure out. That being said, it is the next step of figuring out, do I want to go to school and, and take classes and learn? Am I getting an internship? Am I going to just work? Am I going to go into the arts? 
you really feel that this is like a dream that Blair has had her whole life. This is something she's really wanted. And you really feel like she's a fit for Yale. Like I do. When we have these scenes and they're all into Serena, I, I get it. But I'm also like, Blair's like a fit for you guys, to me. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, Blair's the one that cares about academics, right? She cares about her perfect reputation. Yeah, it's funny. And she's so, Blair is not a flexible character. What Blair wants is, is, is what, what she's it is. doing. Exactly. Yeah. And not, I, well, that's what I'm, I'm meaning. Like, that's why I feel like she's such a fit. And that's why when you keep having the, when we keep seeing these scenes where it's like, they're so in, like enamored with Serena. I get that they are. And it's part of the, you know, this whole battle and best friend situation with Serena and Blair. But I'm always like, wait, yes, Serena's like very charming and beautiful. But like Blair sitting right here, who's charming and beautiful in her own way and is really right up your alley. Like, yeah, <laughs> just let her into your school. Exactly. But this whole thing, when, when, when Elizabeth is like, well, my daughter, you know, I need to go get her some food. And then Serena offers Blair to babysit her. I'm like, oh shit, what is about to go down here? And then lo and behold, Stella, who plays Emma, is an old friend of mine. So when she walks in and I completely forgot she played her because it's been forever. And it's funny because she plays so much younger and she's not that much at the time, wasn't that much younger than us. But this whole storyline was was insane. Like trying to lose your virginity before your friend I don't remember that being a thing when I was in high school. I don't know if it became a thing later. I don't either, but these rich kids. I mean, that's why in the end when Blair kind of like talks to her and tells her that it's a special moment in your life and it shouldn't be something meaningful with someone you care about. It's no contest. That was crazy. Yeah. And the name Muffy, I was like dying. <laughs> the the Gossip Girl, bla- I'm sure we'll get to this, but the Gossip Girl blast about it is so, I, I can't believe they got away I with that. I can't either. It's hilarious. I mean- you laugh out loud, but it was, I agree with you. I'm like, what? What? But this scene where Blair meets her is one of the funniest Blair scenes. I feel like Leighton never really got enough credit for her comedic acting on this it show. It comes up a lot in the podcast. Like it does with everyone because I think we're all aware of it because we played, yeah. you know, we were on it with her. But that's part of why Blair is so brilliant because of what yeah. she did. And it's, it's like the underlining, like... You know, it's not your slapstick, obviously, because it's not written that way. But the way Leighton figured out how to play that was like beautiful. (laughs) I mean, because it's It's just (laughs) it's so funny to watch her react in real time to this to this child coming out and being like, I need to lose my virginity right now. The the line that's like, oh, my God, stop your mouth. Oh, my God, I have it written right here because I wanted to remember to bring that up. Oh, my God. Tyler, I was like in stitches. (laughs) Yeah. And just her delivery of it and, like, her facial feature, like, the way that she's able to react without saying anything, it's, yeah. it's so good. And that sometimes is, like, harder to react, like, to not have dialogue and get the emotion yeah. and, and to make the audience feel that way is sometimes so much harder than actually just saying something funny or delivering something. Yeah. And she does that brilliantly, like you said. So here I see this, like, young 15-year-old walking in. I'm like, oh gosh, what is Blair going to do? Where, what is she going to pull out of her bag now to like (laughs) make sure this is like a safe situation and she doesn't get in trouble and 
But it was so awesome to see Stella, who came on and played that. I, I, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, re- I forgot she was in New York with us for a little bit. Yeah, and she was great too. She just brought it. She delivered. She delivered. She did. I have to say, our casting did such a great job for everyone that came on because everyone was just oh, ready to throw down. And I yeah. did find that a lot of times there was a lot of guest stars that came on that like studied at amazing acting schools. Like, did I remember one one of the actors? He said to me. He was talking about, he's like, I think it's so funny that none of us had finished any kind of college and these amazing guest stars would come on and we wouldn't be shocked at how good they were because of what they all study. It was just, it was so, so funny to me because I'm like, you're, you're right. None of us actually like studied acting. Yeah. I just think they did a great job with, with all of our guest stars. Yeah. So let's get into Aaron and Serena. I mean, I think whenever there's like a hot artist who's like mysterious and like using you as your muse, like I'm into it. I'm like, you, oh, yeah. okay, you're hot. You're hot stuff. I like it. And like laser targeted for Serena, I feel like, who uh-huh. Serena has to be a muse every other day of the week, right? To somebody <laughs> somewhere. Aaron is, I think he embodies a very specific idea I have of like a 2008 Williamsburg hipster like he's got the facial hair he's always wearing a scarf like some kind of accented scarf situation (laughs) and he's really trying to woo her because he remembered that they had met at Camp Suisse yes and Serena (laughs) did it and they had gotten married with like the licorice rings and all that so he's really hitting this childhood nostalgia angle this like romance angle but he can't stop seeing other women I know But like at first when I'm watching it, I didn't know, I didn't really feel it was going to go that way. I'm like, he's an artist and he shoots girls in this. You know, I know that they were maybe trying to drop little Easter eggs for us to see that in the big picture, but I really didn't until he like got there at the end and he was eating dinner with Danielle, the other model. I was like, okay, this is like enough now. (laughs) Like just, just, even if that's what you're going to do, like just step up and say what's up. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Yeah. But at first, like him coming on being this artist and driving a motorcycle and the long hair, I'm just like, you're little, you're hot. Yeah. Like made in the lab for Serena Vanderwoodson. Do you think he's worth it for her to like test the waters here? To deal with all his, his womanizing is that I don't know I mean I think no (laughs) I think he's too much just because it's when she approaches him about it he has sort of this arrogance about it of like why are you worried about this right and here's the thing it's like if that's your mo and that's your thing like do you but like don't string me along and not let me know like what's going on exactly just be upfront about it because this isn't every time you meet someone this isn't the normal like That's something I think you need to like let someone know because not everyone's going to be down for that. Yeah. And I think it's something that the Serena before the show started probably would have put up with. But this Serena, like new Serena, and she's dated Dan and she's she's got a sense of self-worth and self-value isn't going to put up with being one of 50 girls. Right. Which she shouldn't. And she shouldn't. Because she's Serena. (laughs) I mean, if she's, yeah, she doesn't want to do that. But I just was like, you got to like, let her know. You can't like string someone along when you're like, okay, and comfortable. And that's like your vibe. And it's just let's let somebody know. Yeah. And then if you like Serena so much, or she's worth it, and she doesn't like your situation, then you compromise and you might not be able to do that. Right. So (laughs) that's a whole nother episode, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Aaron. (laughs) Oh, Aaron. Aaron Rose. Okay. So Dan rats out Jenny now. 
And when this is happening, I'm like, okay, so Vanessa tells, you know, is telling Dan that she should just cover, you know, which, which is like kind of what you brought up earlier. Cause Vanessa is this independent woman who's, you know, doesn't have like a ton of money to just do whatever and work wherever, or fly wherever to meet with people to try to get what she wants and needs. So I like that she's like supportive of Jenny and kind of like, hey guys, yeah, Rufus, Dan, like let's give her a chance. Like let's be here. So I like that. But when Nate's driving the van away, we have to remember here that Vanessa has no idea that there's any even flirtation yeah. with Nate and Jenny. And even at this point, she's still like, oh, he's just like driving the van. Because then when Vanessa and Dan and Rufus are in the car and Dan had just seen the Gossip Girl blast of Jenny and Nate kissing, which how cute was it that it was the younger Serena from a few episodes, I think season one, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, like in Central Park, they see her. She shows up. This girl shows up a lot in the series. It's like she's like a younger version of – there's a second one Serena. and like a younger version of Serena and Blair that show up a lot in the series. Yeah. I just remember that because we talked about the scene where they're walking in Central Park, Serena and Dan, and then they meet the three little – Yeah. Oh, know. yeah. Right. After they come back from the Hamptons. Yeah. It's early in season two. Yeah. Or so, okay. Well, here is – see? That's why I love having you here. So here's the younger, like, you know, little blonde Serena that snaps the photo. This is a Gossip Girl blast. It's it's Nate and Jenny. Dan sees this. He shuts the computer before Rufus and Vanessa can see anything. And there was a moment, and I didn't even remember this, and I, I filmed it. Vanessa, like, goes, is looking at the computer as Dan and Rufus walk out. And I thought, I'm like, does she open I it? I know. I thought that, too. And she didn't. So she resisted. Good on you, Vanessa. That was, like, <laughs> I really was, like, open the computer. See it. Don't, like... Get played as like for a fool here. But, um, you know, you, that's not the right thing to do. Go in someone else's computer. So she doesn't. They get in the car. And I actually remember filming in the backseat of the, I guess we're in a cab. Yeah. Going to find Jenny and I guess Nate. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they're like whispering Dan and Vanessa about, about Nate. And she's like, you, you know, why? Is he not a good guy? And Dan doesn't really want to say anything. And it's just so funny. He's like whispering. And then Rufus is on the other side of Vanessa. Like, what's what's he saying? Yeah. But in those scenes and car scenes, when you film them, you're like being pulled. And the camera, so it's steady, is in like another, I don't want to say like trailer or truck, but kind of in front of the car. Yeah. And you're all moving. And then they have cars in front of you to make sure that like the path is clear so that you're not like stopping in the middle of the scene. And it's just always such an interesting thing because you also want to try to get this, you have to, you know, try to make sure you complete the dialogue and things sometimes at certain turns so that it matches when you do the coverage. Right. So I was going to ask, do you not get car sick riding in a back seat like that for so long? I feel like I would get... No. And you're also going much, much slower than That's it looks. That's true. Yeah. But you, yeah, I re it was a fun scene to shoot because to me, the, the funny part of like Rufus not hearing Dan when he's just to the other side of yeah. me. That's another funny scene because I feel like Matthew does a really good job delivering this very frantic, like begging the cab driver to go faster. And right. at one point he tries to bribe him and Dan's like, that's a one. <laughs> like, like, dad, that's not going to help. That's not enough. <laughs> oh my God. That's too funny. Good old Rufus. Hey. So they get there and Nate, Jenny is like challenging Nate to like stay if he cares. What did you think was going to happen? Nate is such a good guy. He really is. I think he doesn't always get it right. The way that he's kind of trying to balance this Jenny Vanessa situation is obviously not great, but he's such a good guy and he's so loyal other than cheating on Blair, <laughs> <laughs> but he's loyal to the people he cares about. Like, I love that in one of the later seasons, it's revealed that Nate is the only one who never sent a tip to Gossip Girl. <sighs> Girl, I didn't know that. Yeah. Nate is like, this is just who Nate is. Mm -hmm. 
And so of course he's going to stay because Jenny is so freaked out and she needs somebody who's on her side and Nate's on her side, you know? So he's not going to leave her. Yeah. It's just so like, it's also like in a few moments when Dan walks in and he's looking for Nate, Nate, you know, he's like, I'll find, I'm going to look for Nate. Vanessa's like, I'm going to look for Jenny. And Lily comes up to Rufus. And as he's like walking fast, Dan, down the hallway of this like extremely like very sophisticated Upper East Side party gala. And Nate walks around the corner like, so what's up, Dan? Like, no, like, hey, he's like fixing the button on his suit. Nothing has happened. Like he didn't get busted by Gossip Girl. Yeah. And he's like, what do you mean? This is my, you know, is Nate like thinking this is never going to ever going to get back to Dan? It's a one time thing, maybe. But like you're like playing with fire if you don't want Dan to find out. Yeah, exactly. And Nate's not the best at thinking far ahead. Like I don't think Nate ever considers consequences or anything past kind of the moment he's in. I think it's why he's such a bad schemer too. Like Nate, Nate just kind of exists. And like does (laughs) what feels right to him in the moment, you know, like he's not planning ahead. Which is also maybe why he is such a good guy because Blair and Chuck and everyone's planning so much ahead and who they'll knock down and do whatever to get what they want. Nate's not doing that. Yeah. And so for Nate, it's like, okay, I have feelings for Jenny and I like Jenny. And this is a weird situation because I'm staying with the Humphreys. They've taken me in in a weird time in my life. And like now I'm friends with Dan but I don't think he got any further than that. Like, I don't think it's like a, a thought process for him of like, okay, well, how am I going to tell Dan? I think it's like, well, let's figure out what's happening with Jenny first. Yeah. In the moment, which you know what? Sometimes it's right to be in the moment, yeah. but <laughs> I don't know. I like when he walked around the corner, I was like, what's up? And Dan's like furious. I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> I thought he was going to get hit. I couldn't remember I did if too. he punches I, him or not. Do you, did you feel like Nate and Jenny are going to like, I feel like it's just a time where Nate's going through a lot. He's living there. He's seeing this like spirit of Jenny that's like a go-getter. And Jenny really means well too. You know, she. Yeah. I, th- I feel like even in the moments, like she's caught between a rock and a hard place and everything that's going on with Agnes and leaving the Eleanor and doing that. Like, cause I think there's a part of her that's like scared of what she is all trying to do and yeah. where she's trying to get. So she's like kind of knocking people over, even though- that's not really like her intention. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't think she really wanted to leave Eleanor's. But that's also when you're that age and you have this much going on and you don't really know the consequences because you don't think ahead like that at that age. You just don't. We just don't know this. That's why it's going to be a she'll Jenny will learn from this forever. You know, yeah. she'll one day tell her kids if she has kids, you know, like like what Rufus is doing. But exactly. I think it's like great that she's going after what she wants. But there is a lot going on that it's like, you know, like Amanda Lasher in her episode was like, like, don't burn every bridge. Like, let's keep right. one bridge up. <laughs> yeah. Like, keep one of these going. And I think Nate is such a good character. I mean, obviously, Jenny has always had a crush on Nate. That kind of, like, of course, he's the guy at school. But I also think Nate represents the best parts, I think, of this world, the Upper East, like, quote unquote, world, the Upper East Side. And that he is just genuinely a nice guy and he means well and he wants to treat people well. And so I think that he's kind of a lifeline of like, there's a way to do this that's kind to other people that I think it's it's good that she's connected with Nate in this moment. I agree. And I, I feel like when uh, when they get here and, he, and Dan sees Nate and Vanessa's looking for Jenny and Lily and Rufus run into each other and Bart's there. There's a moment where I'm like, this girl and Agnes, like the fact that they're just going to go and do this fashion show in this situation, because now you're seeing the whole party. And I'm like, well, yeah. there's like, this is like intense. 
And like, I give them credit, but I'm also like, I'd be terrified. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And then meanwhile, as that's all going on there, Blair takes Emma to Serena's and Serena tells her she can wear one of her dresses. And obviously Blair's like five steps ahead of everyone at this point. And then it's something always drops where it's like, how did this happen for Blair? Like they get to, they find out that the credit card was ran at One Oak. So they get to One Oak. And like when Chuck finds out who's sitting where in the whole club, they find that Elizabeth is the one at the club having an affair basically on the donor. The whole situation that Blair's trying to like navigate and use to get into Yale. She sees this, gets a photo of it. That was like, I didn't remember reading that in the script years back. That was like a big, like. Yeah. I mean. You imagine walking into One Oak and your mom being there. I'd be like, what? It would be, I can't imagine my mom in any, I mean, I love my mom, but I can't imagine my mom (laughs) in any club. I don't know how she doesn't see her mom, but her mom is in this back corner with this guy who is not her dad. And Blair looks like a kid on Christmas, right? Because she's like, this is it. This is my blackmail ticket. Like, this is how I'm going to get this, get into Yale is by blackmailing. And it's funny because Serena's like, no, you can't blackmail. You have to do this the right way. But Uh, Yeah, just I guess if you're going to go have an affair, the least expected place if you're that woman is One Oak. Who knows? Where else are you going to go? I know, right? The lobby of the Carlisle. I don't, (laughs) you know. And then I think there was like a lot of, you know, parallels to like how Elizabeth is with Emma to how Blair is with her mom, you know? Yes. And I think like my heart like really felt for Blair and I like teared up a little bit. Also probably because my relationship with my mom is like beautiful and wonderful and I like could never imagine feeling that way. When she's like, just pay attention to your daughter. Like my mom almost paid too much attention to her kids. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I couldn't imagine that, like, you know, feeling that way. But I thought it was like a really beautiful moment when Blair went to Emma and was giving her this like heartfelt speech about, yeah, about that. And I, and I thought it was like really beautiful. I think she definitely sees a part of herself in, in Emma. Oh, for sure. Right. Like this, this child who is trying to be more adult than she is and who wants to act out and, lose her virginity before her friend Muffy, which is Muffy. Oh my God. Ridiculous. Because again, yeah, like Blair is so single-minded about things that she wants and Yale is one of those things. And so at first she just sees Emma as this person who can get her that. And I think this interaction where she sees how her mom treats her, she starts to see her as she sees a lot of herself in this this yeah. Girl. Yeah. Also, and this whole storyline when when Chuck takes Emma into the limo, I was like freaking. I'm like, you can't go here. You can't do this. This will mess up everything. But when he walks back in and knows exactly where he was, and we jumped and went to one oak before that. But I, in the moment of her being in the limo, and then like my heart for Blair and and Chuck in the moment where you know he says that actually the back of the limo is like a special sacred. The limo is I was sacred. Like, okay, how beautiful yeah. are you too? <laughs> Yeah. Because I also didn't, I was like thinking, I thought something was going to go down for sure. Cause that's just in ga- gossip girl fashion, but oh yeah, they get back, they get to one Oak love that Scott Sarciano makes like an appearance, the, the one of the owners. <laughs> and then we get back to the fashion show that's honoring Lillian Bart. Go figure. Of course it is. <laughs> we knew we talked about that earlier, but like when you get there and you really see everything that's going down and all that, I'm like, of course it's Lillian Bart's. But, um, all of a sudden, there's like a smash hit and Vanessa catches Jenny kissing Nate, Ugh. which I felt like Vanessa's had that moment before, like in the first episode that Vanessa comes back, that kind of happens with Dan and Serena and, the, you know, they separate and she's there. Vanessa cannot catch a break. 
can't catch a break, girl. And the the sad thing too was like when she was watching the whole fashion show go down, she was genuinely happy for Jenny. Yeah. Like she's like looking at the whole room, taking it in and loving it and just pumped for Jenny. And then she sees Jenny like kiss, kiss Nate. And then, I mean, so many things happen from there. Like It moves so fast. Well, yeah, because I also think that Nate is like realizing like what's all going on. Like Dan's upset. Vanessa's upset, you know. Oh, man. And and also the fashion show and how the whole thing went down, I thought was really cool. It is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of all the drama with everyone going on. Yeah. I'm like, wow, they really pulled off like a great moment. Agnes bribes the guy doing the AV for the event to like hijack that. The, it was funny. I rewatched the episode last night and um, my fiance was like, oh, that poor guy didn't get a line. <laughs> Which one? This, the AV guy. He's like, Agnes goes backstage and is oh, yeah. like, oh, I have, this is my new friend and he's going to let us hijack this thing. But he's really funny. He again, delivers those really funny facial reactions to what Agnes is saying. And yeah, they play this song, this like punk rock song at this event. Mm-hmm. And they turn all the lights out and they take over the tables and you can see that Agnes is kind of the wild one because she starts breaking glasses on the table. But the designs look so cool like that. Like that's exactly how those designs should be presented as in this kind of punk rock fashion. Yeah, absolutely. As it was just the lights, everything. I'm like, how did these two pull this off? Let's get back to this real quick because we forgot to mention this. You brought it up earlier, but the Chuck got a Gossip Girl post, like a fake blast. Uh-huh. And he kind of like whispers that to Blair, like... Have her check Gossip Girl. But like, wh- who does he know there? Like, what Chuck, what... I mean, I you don't put anything past Chuck. I also feel like I'm st- every episode, I'm like, are you like a private investigator yourself? Because I feel like he like is a PI. It, it's funny to me to rewatch the show knowing that, Dan is ultimately Gossip Girl this whole time. Right. Because it's like, when did Dan have time, first of all? To do any of this, In the yeah. middle of what he's doing. Absolutely. But yeah, then you do have to wonder what how Chuck managed to get it. Because it's like, what is it? It's like Muffy's muff got stuffed. I'm like, how did you get this on TV in 2008? <laughs> like, also, just the fact that her name was Muffy. Like, Muffy. Come on. I mean, it's a, set, it's a great setup for the line. Again, I think it helps show that Chuck, too, has the softer side because for sure he doesn't want this girl going home with some random like Russian guy back to no. his hotel just to lose her virginity. Like, no. And there's that. And then there's also the other layer of like him showing Blair like, see, you couldn't do this without me. Yeah. They need each other. They make such a good scheming team. They do. <laughs> it's really funny. They They find the guy naked in his hotel room and Chuck like laughs. He's like, <laughs> you want some advice? And Blair has a funny line too. Like, <laughs> I'm scarred for life or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a really, it's one of the funnier episodes. I yeah. Feel like. It's like very, everyone does a great job. Yeah, they really do. At this point, after the show, they get that. And now the police are there, this gala. And Dan is finding out that like Jenny's going to be in the New York Times. And he's like the writer of the family. And he's trying to, you know, yeah. be seen and be heard in, in the writing world. And all of a sudden, his sister, who's like <laughs> breaking down, smashing shit, going <laughs> into this gala is like all of a sudden going to be in the New York Times. And, you know, Dan also wants to get into these prestigious writing programs. And he was interning for Noah Shapiro, who wanted him to write that story about Chuck. And right. he couldn't do it. He was like, I, I can't do this. Which that's where I always like, like I always say, Dan always, even if he gets caught in, you know, saying something or doing something or having Vanessa's back and doing this to Blair, 
I feel like that happens to him a lot, but he'll always come forward in the end and be like, yo, yeah. this is it. And I, I like, I'm like, okay, I can get down with that. But I think it's, at least in my mind, it's kind of one of the first times that we start to see this tension because again, obviously Dan is gossip girl at right. this point, but it's this tension of Dan doing these things because he wants to be a part of this world and then realizing getting into this world and getting involved with these people makes it hard to keep doing the things that would make him successful without them, right? I think we see this a lot more in later seasons when his book gets published. Right. But this is the first opportunity where he he realizes that his success as a writer might come at a personal cost of betraying these people who he's built relationships with. I mean, it's not like he has a great relationship with Chuck, but, you know, his world and his friends and everything like that. Yeah. What I find hard with that is like anytime there's been moments with him and Chuck, you really see the vulnerability in Chuck, you know, like this, like where his heart's kind of broken because of the relationship with his dad. And yeah. I feel like obviously if we're seeing that as an audience, Dan's seeing that. So that's why I think, you know, there's times he's pulled away from that. So, yeah, but he's finding that out that Jenny's phone is blowing up with all these people. Rufus is upset. Lily's like supporting Jenny. They're not going to press charges. When she says that, I'm like, oh my God, Rufus is going to lose his mind. He's he's like already upset. The now. part where she walks up and <laughs> says, uh, oh my God, it was incredible. And I know. she's like, I'm actually going to go like sees Rufus's face and is like, I'm going to wait over here. Right. It's so good. <laughs> so good. She's phenomenal too. But, um, in this moment, there's just so many things going through my mind as a parent, as a, a high school girl, as possibly getting arrested. Like, there's a lot going on for Jenny at this point. Everything that she's taking a risk for and doing this is like, God, girl, you have to have like anxiety through the roof right now. Oh my now. God. Can you imagine? At 15, too. I don't know. That yeah, I that's what I'm saying. Capable to handle that. And her dad tries to get her arrested. <laughs> I know. She's like, yeah, you can't well, call your parents. He's like, that is my, that is that my, is my parent. Yeah. And then Lily comes in to save the day. Well, we're not going to press charges. Yeah. There's an episode later in this season where we see that Lily will have Serena arrested for something to stop Serena. It's like they get it right. when it comes to other people's kids, but they don't get it when it comes to their own kids. To their own. Yeah. Right. Interesting. I also can't wait to get to that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I can't remember what that is right now. And then we have Nate is leaving town. The next morning. These people love to leave town. Yeah. I'm like, where are you going? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Chuck's there and says, you know, you're not leaving. And Nate declines that. And he's going to go stay with his mom. But I feel like there's a lot going on there, too. Like, there's Nate and Jenny and Vanessa. Now Dan's upset with him. Like, even the whole thing with Dan getting the call from Jordan. And, <laughs> and Nate's like, who's Jordan? And he's like, I, you hooked up with her, pretended to be me. Yeah. <laughs> you don't remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, again, Nate just being in the moment. In the moment. He mails a letter to Jenny, which I thought was so cute. It made me want to, like, have a pen pal again. You know what I, I mean? Know. Maybe Nate does need to leave town, take a moment, take a beat, see what's up. Yeah. I mean, I think that he's been through a lot. He's been through a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in terms of like sleeping with an older woman for money, True. And, like <laughs> having his family kind of fall apart. And again, I think people in that world tend to take Nate a little bit for granted. I think we've seen it before for sure. in season one where because he's so loyal and he's so laid back, Chuck, even you see at the end of the episode being like, if you had told me it was this bad, I would have helped you. And it's like, well, maybe you need to be a more proactive friend to know when something's up. Yeah, maybe yeah. Nate is not always going to be this chill, laid-back guy. So yeah, I mean, I think I think going to his mom's for a little bit is probably a good idea to kind of 
hit a reset. Yeah, just reset, <laughs> take a deep breath. By the way, their Hampton's house or wherever he's going, I'm sure is just fine. Is a great house. Yeah. Did the Hampton house get taken? I don't even know where his mom is right now. I don't remember where she is either. I think she stays in the Hamptons. Okay. I think that that's well, right. That's a really nice house. So you're yeah, right. You're going to be like you're fine. fine. You're not really struggling. <laughs> They'll have like a nice massage and like some probably cocktail by the pool. Exactly. <laughs> Back at the Vanderwoodson, Blair is depressed about her shot at Yale, but the dean calls and says that Emma, the one person she wanted to have dinner with, living or dead, was Blair Waldorf, which I loved. Yeah, it's such a cute callback to that previous episode where New Haven can wait. Yeah. I like liked uh, that question in general. I'm like, that's a great question. I ask it at dinners now or like Yeah. Well, wait, so who would you have dinner with? I think <laughs> this is gonna sound wild, but Jesus. Yeah. I would like I have lots of questions. I mean, that's a good answer. Yeah, I don't I mean, there's like you go I went through like different amazing musicians. I thought like sitting down with, you know, Frank Sinatra. I mean Janis Joplin. Then I thought like um, in a whole different direction, like like a murderer, like to think like, where was your brain? Like I, I went all over the map, Yeah, which is not fair to answer it that way with like 10 different things. But I'm like, I would like to sit down with Jesus and see what was really going on and what was up and what, yeah. What about you? Now, see, now I need to rethink my answer because my answer was Harry Styles. <laughs> That's great. That was my first instinct was Harry Styles. No, that's a great answer too. <laughs> yeah. That's my other big interest other than Gossip Girl. Yeah. No, he's styled. wonderful. What a little cutie yeah. him too. And yeah. he's a Packer fan. So I'm like, you go, Harry. Exactly. I like him. But um, I like that that came full circle back around and it ended up being yeah. Blair because that whole situation with that question and what she threw in for Serena and what all happened was like uh, a lot of jaw dropping moments. So I thought that was like a nice little full circle. And then we're coming to the end of the episode and Jenny's gone. Jenny's, yeah. you know, and that is like when Dan says, I don't know, maybe take a look in her room. As a parent, you know, she's always so little. I, everything we, she, she needs us for everything. So eating, walking, sleeping, all the things, playing, laughing, crying, whatever it is, like she's at a, she can't do anything on her own. So I can't imagine yeah. at a time where she can walk out and leave like as a parent, what your heart goes through, what your mind goes through of their safety of what you can do to get them back, what you can do to not like such a mix of emotion that I felt for Rufus in that moment and for Jenny. Cause it's like, yeah, you feel that, I don't know, not supported or pushed away or all these things that you're going to leave home and go, what, like, yeah. where are you going? Like, what are you doing? Well, exactly. I mean, that's why I see people with kids. I live in Brooklyn and I see people with kids here. And the idea of having a teenager here would be so oh stressful God. to me because you can leave your house and be anywhere. You could leave your house and be in a different state. Yeah. You wouldn't know because they just got on a train and Yeah, it's it's it was frightening and I was like heartbroken for him, heartbroken for her, like also for Dan, like that's his sister, you know what I mean? And like Yeah. Oh, it was like so much and Dan and Rufus sitting there. Rufus says this to Dan, which is like an amazing quote, I think. I wish I could get the two of you to understand that success, people praising you, it goes away. And when that day comes, if you don't like who you are, you're done. And I thought that was like yeah. great advice. And then the song, No New Tale to Tell, <laughs> The Love and Rocket. Ugh. I was like, okay, you guys are like really putting me on an emotional roller coaster with like Jenny leaving. And so good with the music cues yeah. too, where it's like, yeah. But Jenny leaving and Blair talking about her mom in this episode and Rufus wanting, like, gonna just 
telling on Jenny. Yep, it was her. Arrest her. Just there were so many like moments for me where I was like, oh, like choking up, like, oh, you know? Yeah. One of the things that I always really appreciated about this show was the way that it portrays that like parents or people who don't know what they're doing either. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Like your parents are people who are capable of making mistakes and those mistakes impact their kids, obviously, but that stuff is, is also repairable. Right. Right. Like I always really liked that dynamic between the adults and the kids. Yeah. Because everyone is just still figuring it out. It's not like all of a sudden you have a baby and it's like, oh, I have all the answers to everything. And then when you're getting thrown new things as, you know, your kids get older and want to try different things or go down this career or move here or date this person, like there's no book for that. There's nothing that can tell a parent how to do it right or And you don't know because you just want your kids to be happy, but they're going to go through heartbreak. They're going to go through failing. They're going to go through those things. So it's, I think you're totally like right on the nose with that. It's like really great that they show that it's not just like a walk down like this path with roses and butterflies and everything's great because that's just not how life is. Now, mind you, there might be some like sugar coated and like cherries on the Upper East Side because of like the glitz and glam and the money. But like when push comes to shove and you take that all away, there's still like struggle and problems and things that we need to like work through and communicate to like figure it out. Yeah. And money doesn't solve those problems either. And money does not. And that's, I think, a big thing in in all of this. Yeah. Okay. So here's the Gossip Girl quote, closing quote. S and B are headed for Yale. Nate's headed out of town. And Dan's headed for trouble. As for little sister, Jenny, she's nowhere to be seen. XOXO, Gossip Girl. So dramatic. Where's Jenny? I know. No. <laughs> Wandering off into the Brooklyn sunset with her sewing I machine mean. and her fashion line. Her little outfit was cute too, going away. I'm like, well, you yeah. look cute, but I don't know where you're going, girl. Exactly. And you're scaring me. Okay. So yeah, tell us what you got going on. Give us your social so people can check out. Yeah. So all my work stuff, I'm covering the fashion industry at fashionista.com. So you can find me there. And then on social media, I am at Eiffel Tyler, like the Eiffel Tower, but with Tyler, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, it's all Eiffel Tyler. Well, it was great having you back. You're like so good to do these with because you know the show inside and out. I like your view on it as just as Tyler. And then like, obviously, you knowing the fashion world is just a whole nother like plus for me when we talk and chat. So I hope you're enjoying this coming on as much as oh I am because yeah. I'm probably going to ask you a couple I more times. I literally, <laughs> like I say this all the time, but any excuse to talk about Gossip Girl because instead of knowing how to do my own taxes or whatever, I remember the the C plot lines of Gossip Girl. So anytime I can put that knowledge to use. Yeah. It was so great to talk to you again, Tyler. You can come back anytime. Seriously. Everyone, go check out Tyler's Instagram at Eiffel Tyler. She posts the best Gossip Girl style throwbacks and Vanessa brings it. (laughs) Take a look. Okay, so make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast because next week we're back with a rewatch of season two, episode 10, Bonfire the Vanity. You're not going to want to miss this guest. She rocks a headband and sits on the steps of the Met for lunch. The meanest of the minions. My girl, Amanda Seton. Can't wait to see you there. XOXO. XOXO is produced by Propagate Content and me, Jessica Zor. Our show is executive produced by Ling Lee. Our producers are Diego Tapia, Kristen Vermilia, Emily Carr, and Hannah Harris. Original music by Moxie and Loon. And the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky.